0: Timing is everything, they say, and good things come to those who wait. Well, waiting is hardly my forte, but a relay runner practices patience, knows to study her teammate, monitor that runner's rhythm in order to anticipate the perfect passing of the baton. One must wait in silence. Watch for signs, like God's Son did. Jesus knew who he would call to run the race with him, had invested in their lives, learned the beating of their hearts. And when at last he called them, his voice, laced with love, was already familiar, his urgency easy to detect. He knew the time was right to step into the flow of the Father's work. And so can we. Study the rhythm of the Lord, practice his pacing, anticipate his perfect passing of ministries' baton. He will always let us know when the time is right. If we wait for God, in silence Lord teach me to be silent teach me to wait for you Our
1: gospel reading this morning is from Luke chapter 1 verses 14 to 20 after John was arrested Jesus came into Galilee announcing God's good news saying now is the time here comes God's kingdom Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. As Jesus passed along the Galilee Sea, he saw two brothers, Simon and Andrew. They were fishermen, so they were throwing fishing nets into the sea. Come, follow me, he said, and I will show you how to fish for people. Right away, they left their nets and followed him. After going a little further, they saw James and John, Zebedee's sons, in their boat, repairing the fishing nets. At that very moment, he called them. They followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired workers. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. This text, this this passage is a a passage that invites us to reflect on God's creative genius for the redemption of the world. God's a creative God. God's at work creating wonderful wonders in the universe. He's created mighty canyons and rivers and oceans. Mountains and deserts here on this world. He's created each of us. Each of us who have similar characteristics, similar attributes, similar abilities and disabilities, and yet every one of us is unique and different and complete and whole. God is a creative God. But he's not a complicated God. In in the elegance of simplicity, God has invited us to think about and live in a new way. And this passage from Mark 1, the, the calling of these four disciples, gives us a hint of the elegant simplicity of God's creative work to redeem us. There are really two pieces to this story. In verses 14 and 15, there's an announcement. The world as it is, is going to go by the wayside, and the world as it is meant to be, is coming. Now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. There there is a kairos moment. There are two words for time in Greek. Kronos, what time is it? Brian, make sure now I know what time it is on Sunday mornings during my talk. He wants me to be keenly aware of that so that I get out of the way quickly. And Craig affirms it. But that's not the important view of time in the Bible. Neener, neener. Kairos is The biblical view of time. The biblical understanding of time. Kronos is simply a measurement. Kairos is, here's the moment that God is at work. Here's the moment when something important happens. Pay attention. God's at work. Kairos time. And Jesus says, the Kairos has come. The, The time of God's working in our lives has come. The kingdom is near. And this new reality, this new reign of God is announced by Jesus. God is up to something new. Pay attention. And with it is a call to transformation. Change your hearts and lives and trust in this good news. Now again, good news, gospel, isn't just happy news. It's not you know, your favorite cable news network presenting your particular viewpoint at 5 o'clock. That's not the good news. I can guarantee you, if you watch MSNBC or if you watch Fox News, I can guarantee you what they are showing you is not good news. Because it's not gospel. The word gospel is a political term from the Roman Empire. Gospel was what Caesar announced when he had won a victory. Caesar would herald the gospel of his victory. He would send forth the victory news. It was a news flash that went across the empire. Caesar had been victorious. All hail, Caesar. Mark appropriates this political word. He says, No, 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 no. This word is too important for it to be left. To Caesar. This describes what God's up to in Jesus. God's victory news is that Jesus Christ calls us to be his disciples. It's an invita- there's this announcement. God's at work. God's at work. But it's more than that. In verses 16 to 20, there's an invitation The ability to to detangle from the world as it is is now made available to everyone. These fishermen who are all caught up in their nets, depending on these nets to throw them into the water to catch fish to make a living, and constantly mending them because they would tear in the rough and tumble of the workaday world. And... Jesus says, detangle from the everyday. Not disengage, not ignore, not walk away from. These fishermen never stopped being fishermen, but detangle from it. Don't be caught up in this moment. Follow me. I'll show you how to do the important stuff in life. I'll show you the priorities, how to share good news with others. Now the problem with that verse is that we've often taken it and used it in ways that, that sort of make it sound like if you're not out on the street corner sharing you know, a Bible tract with everybody who walks by, then you're not fishing for people. And we make it an apology for evangelism instead of a call to a completely new way of life. Detangle from the world as it is and live as if the world that God intends it to be is actually breaking in. It's a call to a new set of priorities. And so in God's creative, elegant simplicity, He makes an announcement. Jesus has showed up in the neighborhood, and he makes an invitation. Will you go with him? And so we gather in a more frequent custom than perhaps we're used to. We gather more often around this table on Sunday mornings. Not every Sunday morning, but with greater and greater frequency to remind ourselves of these victory truths, these gospel realities. And we come as fishermen, as people who are tangled up in the stuff of life. And the bread and the cup become symbols for us of some different possibilities. The Eucharist is... A means to remember that the kingdom is being created now, but isn't quite yet. We live in this, big word time, liminal space. This moment of standing in the doorway. The old is receding, the new not quite. And are we ready to take that next step? Are we ready to enter? into the new thing that God's doing. The the Eucharist is a reminder that that's where we stand in that doorway of God's call on our lives. The Eucharist is a way to remember that we are called to a creative life of discipleship. Discipleship is not about ticking the boxes and making sure your theology is proper. I guarantee you that every one of us in this room, including me, would fail most theological tests that are given by folks who care about that stuff. Discipleship isn't about having your doctrine pure and unalloyed and perfect. Discipleship is about following Jesus, about detangling from the nets and walking in a new direction. But that requires that requires some messiness. Baking bread, I'm told, because I don't do very much baking personally. Thanks be to God. Baking bread requires getting messy. I, 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 you know flour is thrown out on the table and dough is rolled, so I'm told. And then it's shaped and rolled some more, so I'm told and That looks to me like hard work, which is one of the reasons I don't bake bread. But there it is. It looks messy. Whatever the fruit of the vine is that we imbibe, grape juice or something more fermented, grapes have to be crushed. That looks messy to me. I mean, when you crush a grape, it leaves residue. The life of discipleship isn't about getting everything perfect. It's about making a mess. A different kind of mess. Not the mess of our lives that comes when we get all tangled up, but the mess that happens when we go on a journey with others and with God. And the Eucharist is a demonstration of how we can creatively detangle from our priorities and live headlong into God's priorities. The Eucharist is a demonstration that that the nets don't have to dominate us, that the nets of our lives don't have to ensnare us and control us and hold us. Instead, we can be free of them. Not to totally walk away from, I'm not saying that we all, you know, move off up into the mountains and, you know, live in commune. Although for some of you that would be a really interesting project, I'm sure. And that may be the gospel call in some of our lives. But for many of us the call of the gospel is how do I make this discipleship stuff work in the midst of a job that is hard? in the midst of people who don't understand me, in the midst of a cutthroat world, how do I follow Jesus there? Jesus said, leave the nets and follow me. Don't be bound up by the constant tossing and repairing of the stuff that provides solace but instead follow Jesus, walk with him, change your priorities.